Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility, and through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth, or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off-topic. G'day everyone, welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson. I'm your host, Alex Tyson. Are you ready to talk dirty? Today, I'm speaking with Chantelle Otten. Chantelle Otten is a Melbourne-based psychosexologist. She is a certified psychosexologist from the European Society of Sexual Medicine and has a Master's of Science Medicine, Sexual Health and Psychosexual Therapy at the University of Sydney. In today's episode, we talk about some of the challenges coming up in the collective consciousness around sexuality right now how to create a healthy ritual around sexual well-being and the importance of sexual well-being in general. We talk about a better way to talk and communicate around sex, how to dive deeper into your intimacy, spicing up your sex life and much, much more. This episode is brought to you by Found Space. We are now open in Australia and New Zealand. Ready to make a change? Looking for infrared sauna? Make your home a place of wellness to live a longer and healthier life. Head to foundspace.com.au or foundspace.co.nz to learn more. And so I give you Chantelle Otten. Chantelle Otten, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So if someone asks you what it is that you do, what do you tell them? What do I tell them? I mean, I feel like I wear many hats, but I think the main one that people would know me for would be as a sexologist. And that's a good way to describe that is I'm a detective into your sex life. I really have to find out uh, what's happening in it. If there are any concerns, I need to find out what is um, contributing to those concerns. And then I help you know, people of all genders and orientations um, and situations find, uh, I guess, directions to help them reach their goals of pleasure in the bedroom. Mm, Nice. A detective into your sex life. I like that. Sex detective. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you've got some interesting detective tools. Um, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And what would, like, what would you define as sex life because that can mean many things to many different people but when you say sex life what do you mean by that yeah so sex is really what you make it because we all have different capacities and different abilities and preferences as well so sex doesn't have to mean penis and vagina sex as we've been taught traditionally in media but it can mean you know head scratches it can mean um, rubbing up against each other it can mean just holding hands or you know even watching erotica self-pleasuring all of those kind of things it's everything that's under that sexual umbrella but I feel like I'm definitely much more um I really like to focus on pleasure rather than the word sex. I think pleasure is the word that we have to focus on because we're not taught to really aim for pleasure. We're taught to aim for a goal when it comes to sexuality. Mm. 
yeah, I mean, it's like, what is sex in the traditional sense? It's like P in the V and there's a goal of achieving a climax and then it's over. Mm, And that kind of rules out so many people, right? Like so many people from the LGBTQIA plus community, people with different abilities, people with erectile dysfunction or vaginismus, so they can't have penetration. Um, You know, I I think we're kind of wiping a whole heap of people off the board that really, you know, deserve to be uh, included. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And it also wipes off a whole bunch of experiences because, when you start to talk about pleasure and explore that further, like there's so many areas you can go into. Like, as you said, it could just be head scratchies. I love a good head scratchy. I don't know. About- Who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, if you're really tired when you come home, do you have the energy to go the full Monty or is a head scratchy going to do it for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, head scratches are like, I love good ear rub. Like that just, that just gets me going, you know. Oh, great. Love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, amazing. And so tell me a bit more about the, the clinic that you run. And I'm really fascinated by like where that whole kind of scene is at the moment. Like what are the general things that you're kind of dealing with when you're working with people one-on-one? And is there, are there different themes at the moment after you know, this, uh, this mental health pandemic coming out of the pandemic, like have things kind of shifted in, in the space in, in, mm-hmm. in where you work and the kind of things that are coming up for people? Yeah. So I was talking about this yesterday. I started the clinic about five years ago when I moved from Holland back to Australia and I kind of was like, I need to start something so people can actually get a job if they're a sexologist because you really couldn't get employment. It was difficult. So I started it and I really, I had to really push hard for people to, I guess, take me seriously because I was pretty young then and I was platinum blonde and very skinny and they were like who is this person like she's you know she's not doing sex therapy what is she doing with these patients so you know I I kind of worked really hard and uh I was able to after like I think about couple of months employ someone else because I would go on all of these meetings I would do a lot of free workshops I was always like talking about what I did uh, online and I also managed to um, start working out of a hospital uh, in Australia that's quite conservative so I kind of had all this rep backing me up and then the team just started growing and Before COVID, I had maybe like six staff members and now I've got over 20. So COVID really changed things for a lot of people. I think they felt like they had time to address, uh, I guess, things that were maybe, um, you know, swept under the rug. They felt like maybe sexual concerns were highlighted during that time. Um, And I guess people just started being a little bit more reflective on what they actually want. So from my clinic, um, I mean, all of my staff are femmes. Unfortunately, it's very hard to get a mask person. Um, You've met Cam Fraser. He's probably one of like there's a few mask people who are in the sex coaching, sex therapy um, kind of industry, but yeah, I need some more. So if anyone's listening and they want to study sexology and you're masculine, then please uh, let me know at one stage. But 
all my staff are femmes and we see everyone and, and anyone. So peoples of all genders, orientations um, and kind of relationship uh, demographics and abilities and ages. I mean, we kind of range from like 18 up to, I think one of my patients was like 87 or something like that. Mm, and wow. she was uh, fooling around with her neighbor and she kind of wanted to know how to do that safely. Um, <laughs> and <that>. so, <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that for her as well. Um, and I would say like our main concerns that we see are sexual pain concerns for people who have um, vulvas and vaginas. So, Vulvodynia, which is pain on the vulva, that's all the skin that touches your underwear. We traditionally call that a vagina, but it's not. It's a vulva. And then vaginismus sounds like Christmas of the vagina, but it's not. It's like the opposite. It's Halloween. It's kind of like when a, a finger, a penis, a tampon, a vibrator goes inside the vagina, the vagina goes, oh, there's a bit of danger here. And it tenses up its muscles. It's almost like if I threw a pen at your eye, your eye would blink because mm-hmm. it would anticipate pain. The vagina is blinking because it's anticipating pain. But that process of the, the tense muscles and being penetrated is extremely painful, razor blade-like sensations mm-hmm. inside the vagina. And very, very common, one in five um, vulva owners have this condition at some point in their lives. Uh, and then there's like deep um, pain, which can happen uh, deeper inside the pelvis. That might be because of endometriosis, um, other gynae conditions and uh, pelvic floor muscles as well. Mm. which is why I employ pelvic floor physios to work with me too. We've got a great team. And then, you know, some other common things are like desire problems or discrepancies within relationships, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, difficulties Mm. with orgasm, anything and everything you can think of under the sex umbrella is something that we see. Mm, Amazing. And that um, condition, I can't remember the name, where the vagina tenses up. Is there a link to like past trauma associated with that or, or is it Could more be. just something that happens to people? It's not necessarily correlated. So you can have it because of trauma or you can't. There's so many reasons why it happens. You know, maybe it's childbirth. Maybe you're just really stressed at this point of time because we hold our tension in our shoulders and our pelvic floor muscles. So if we're going through a really tense period, those are the muscles that are uh, tensing up. It could be from a UTI. It could be from thrush. You know, there can. it could be from just not using lubricant. There are so many reasons why it happens. And um, yeah, we don't, we don't put it down to a traumatic experience unless it is actually correlated with a traumatic experience. Mm, Of course. Yeah. Yeah. The conversations you're having, I I guess, could they often be quite, quite kind of sensitive and quite intimate for the people, right? Like to, to be able to talk about this. Yeah. I mean, if you talked about your sex life with me and all of your problems, then I'm sure you'd probably think, I don't want everyone to know about this. Yeah. Of course, they're all sensitive, right? Um, I'm a therapist, so everything's confidential. Mm. So they have a safe space. But for some people, they've never spoken about sex before. Mm. They've never had permission. They might be riddled with shame, even just discussing the topic. And uh for people of different kind of cultural and religious backgrounds, of course, we have to be extremely careful with the way that we're talking about sex with them and also in front of their partners as well. Mm. Yeah. How do we kind of continue the conversation on about, about this sort of stuff? Because I think 
you grow up in this culture and, and there's a lot of people not having these kind of conversations. And I think they're really powerful and, and can be freeing conversations to work through these things and understand them more. But certainly from, from my experience growing up in, in the male um, space, like no one's having these conversations. <laughs> You're not talking to your mates about, dude, I, I think I've got erectile dysfunction. Do you have that as well? Like it's just, mm. I think we could do a better job as a society on having those kind of conversations more openly and I think the work you're doing really kind of helps towards that you know maybe then it is time to start having those conversations with your friends because that's how you start talking about this and being more expansive with this topic because the more that you share and be vulnerable the less shame that you're inviting into your group right because if you can say it other people can also be open with you too it just starts with one person Mm. and it becomes a lot easier the more you talk about it right everything I mean it's kind of like juggling it's really hard to do at the start you maybe throw one ball and you miss it and you throw another one but once you start practicing every day the juggling becomes a lot easier and then you can do it you know maybe with three balls or with your eyes closed you might throw one over your shoulder you start getting a lot more you know, nifty and everything that we do is learned. So uh, it's the same with this conversation. And I always encourage people to to try and be a bit more open with their group of friends if they are supportive group of, you know, if they are supportive. If you feel like your friends are a judgmental group, maybe you need to think about um, making some new friends as well that you can talk about this with because it shouldn't be a shameful conversation. And the more that we keep it hidden and the more that we judge others the the more shame we're going to add onto that kind of topic and that internalization as well mm, yeah i love that so how did you get into this space to begin with like was it something that always kind of fascinated you or do you kind of fall into it i'm curious about how you, how you got to where you are yeah, well, I, I mean, I didn't know that sexologists existed uh, <laughs> um, when I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do at uni. So, um, something that, like in high school, you're like <laughs> talking about what you want to be in. Oh, sexologists. Especially not in my Catholic high school, no, definitely <laughs> yeah, not. Exactly. <laughs> um, we didn't even have sex ed at all. I think we were, we had to watch a baby being born on a video. Um, I don't know. Did you have sex ed at school? Yeah, but it was like, use a condom. Here's how you put a tampon in. Next yeah. lesson. That was it. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, I left school and I wanted to do psychology. I think that I've always loved helping people and I've always been very fascinated by people's stories. Mm. I'm really lucky. Like my family's a Dutch family. They're extremely open and sex was never like a shameful topic in our family. It was like, this is important for relationships, have a good time, use protection that, you know, you have a safe space, you can do it here, that kind of thing, which is quite, quite Dutch, to be honest. It's, that's how it is in Holland. So for me, I never really recognized how shameful it was for a lot of people, even like my best friends, because I was just blabbing on all the time, like so open about it. I didn't kind of, I wasn't self-aware enough to realize maybe people weren't actually reciprocating that much. So I finished my psych degree and I I was like, I don't want to be a generalized psych. I want to do something like a bit different. I was at that time doing organizational psychology, which is 
totally ridiculous because I have ADD and I'm not organized at all. <laughs> so I don't really know what I was doing that year, but uh, <laughs> talking Learning a lot. that you didn't want to do that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so my mum said to me, I need to send you this video. It's a TED Talk by Esther Perel. And have you heard of Esther Perel before? I actually haven't. Okay, well... I think you should look her up because she has some amazing TED Talks. The way she speaks is so beautiful. You want to listen to her for hours because she has this beautiful like French-Belgium accent. Nice. And she's a psychotherapist who specializes in relationships. So she talks about infidelity and the nuances of desire. Mm. And uh, I was like, God, I can do that. Like, I want to do that for sex for people of my age. Like, who is doing that? in Melbourne. So I went around and I met some sex therapists and they were all lovely, but I realized that there was a bit of a a gap in kind of ages as well. And I kind of recognized that there weren't many psycho sexologists, so psychological based sexologists, not psycho (laughs) as in crazy. Um, (laughs) Maybe, maybe I can add that to the resume anyway, but um, there weren't many psychological based sexologists working in hospitals. And I really was like, this is part of healthcare. Like we need to talk about this. So I went on a, when I have something in mind, I am very typical, um, very typical ADD. I'm very hyper-focused. So I was like, I'm going to do this and I've got to do it to the best. It's like, I have to be the best that I can be. So I wanted to study overseas because in Holland, they have some really great sexologists and like the best people in the world are teaching in Europe. So I went on a trip and I went to a whole heap of different countries asking people, can you be my mentor? Can I intern with you? I'll work for free. Um, And I was, I had already by that stage enrolled in my science med degree, specializing in sexual medicine through Sydney University. And they allowed me to also live in Holland at the same time. So I, on like my last meeting, I had like run out of hope and I thought I'm going to have to go back to Australia with my tail between my legs. I haven't found someone. And I I recognize now the reason is because you're so busy as a therapist to take someone on. It's just, it's a huge amount of work, but I was very lucky in my last meeting that I met um, Dr. Ingrid Pinas, who became my mentor for years. She is wonderful. And yeah, I started working for her and she kicked my ass. Uh, I had to travel. I was living in Amsterdam. I had to travel by train an hour to get to her in a little town called Zvola. And I would work with her until like 11 p.m. at night. We do research into sexuality. And then she'd let me go home on the last train. Um, And I did that for years. Like she was like, you're not leaving until until you finish this and you can take the last train home. So, yeah, I learned everything. Uh, And then I enrolled in the European Society of Sexual Medicine school as well. So that was really cool. Um, That's when you you have to be picked. 20 people get picked internationally to be part of this school. And, yeah, we we studied in Budapest together and then did an exam in Portugal. And there, there you go. I was qualified in Australia and Europe. So it's been a, yeah, it's been a wonderful journey. And I feel like, you go, like, it's been so interesting being in Australia and seeing the the way that sexual wellness as a topic has even grown since since I've been working in this field and, and how sexy it is now to be talking about sex. Right. I'm really hopeful for the future and I'm excited to see what, what is to come. 
Mm, yeah. And so how has it kind of changed over time since you started working back here once you were qualified and had all this experience to, to where the landscape is now? Brands, like big brands, big companies were not talking about it. It was still extremely taboo. Like there was like this... Um, it was this layer, it was like a, a bit of a, like a yucky layer that kind of covered this topic. Um, even, even, you know, events uh, that were sexually orientated like Sexpo, there was just, they weren't seen in a very positive light. And maybe there's the reasons for that. But since I started working in this area, I mean, I think Instagram has helped my me and my business very, very much because you can then provide information to people that shows that sex isn't dirty, it isn't shameful, and that there are so many positives to talking about it and so many people want to talk about it. Mm. If you look at the amount of people who are following me and also who are also sex coaches and studying sexology, like back in the day, there was 25 people in my sexology class now there's 250 Mm. and I think that's incredible and yeah I remember like getting my first contract with a brand and I think they offered me a very very small amount for a year's worth of work and using my uh, image and now uh, and I was lucky I was lucky to get that I'm so grateful for that because it was really starting a bit of a movement now Everyone wants to talk about sex and they realize how fundamental it is to, you know, uh, holistic uh, care and leading a holistic life as well. So things have changed dramatically. Which is amazing, you know, and maybe somewhat in line with the general kind of understanding of health and wellness and the importance in our, in our lives. It seems, you know, it's just more and more at the forefront. <laughs> That's why we exist as a, as a company and it's awesome that it's kind of growing across the board. I'm really curious, like how you see, um, like a good sexual practice and 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 an understanding of our sexuality fitting into our overall health and well being and the kind of important role that that plays for people. Well, I mean, there's so so many health benefits of sex, right? Like. It's a, it's good for heart health. It's good for stress. It's good for pleasure. Good for relationships. Good for sleep. I mean, I can keep listing them off, but we know it's really good. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, that can be through masturbation or or through coupled sex. And for a lot of couples that come in, they're having problems with their relationship. I kind of go, if you fix the sex, the relationship's going to be fine. And and it's true. I mean, it is part of a relationship and is part of your identity as well, right? Who are you as a sexual being? And that can change uh, through different stages in your life. But the more awareness you have around that, you can you can do so much with it. You can improve your self-esteem. You can talk about it. You can get into, you know, relationships that, that I guess, meet your needs as well. So I, I think that in terms of quality of life, Sexual well-being is a huge part of, of that quality of life as well. And if you're having a bad time in the bedroom, it can affect everything. It can affect how you want to be seen, how you interact. How, can you take off your clothes in front of someone else? You know, can you talk about things that are more open? Can you have like a group of friends that you don't feel shy with? You know, there's so many things that that sexuality can affect. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's just part of our foundation really mm. it's kind of in some ways like our experience in the in the bedroom and uh, can kind of be a metaphor for like 
how the rest of our life is going <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, I mean? 100%. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my partner and I were just reflecting on that the other day. We've been together for um, almost nine years now. And mm-hmm. one thing that has always been really solid for us is is like our sex and our, and our overall experience there. And, and if there's been times when that's kind of waned, like that's been a really immediate marker like, oh, we've we got something we've got to deal with here. <laughs> you know, maybe we weren't aware of it, but actually because, you know, our experience in the bedroom has suffered a little bit, that means we've got, we've got something we've got to f- figure out or work on because there's some sort of disconnect there and then you find what that is and you work through it and then you kind of come together in this beautiful fashion mm. again. Mm. It's a really nice way to put it. Um, so, and how about, <laughs> I'm thinking like um, so many times from my experience, you know, you, sometimes you're going through a stressful experience and and then you, you have sex again and then you realize oh it's all good mm-hmm. well, <laughs> like, stress and sex don't really mix do they right no, if you're really no. stressed it's hard to perform or <laughs> even drop in and be mindful in in the bedroom you think your brain's thinking of all these other things so mindfulness is a huge part of that process but yeah when the stress is lifted i mean gosh you get back to having a bit more fun right and being present in the bedroom is huge Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of, yeah, just brings you back into balance, balance in a certain way. And so how about for um, like people who um, perhaps don't have a sexual partner and, you know, are not sure if they should just like, like what can they be doing other than just masturbating as an example to kind of connect in with themselves and, and develop more sexuality, but on their own, you know? Well, first and foremost, there's nothing wrong with just masturbating. (laughs) Masturbating is great. Um, And, you know, I think that everyone should be doing it. Uh, You can get toys to help with that. You can experiment with, you know, different pressures and and different objects. And, you know, you can dress up for yourself. I think if you want to engage in your own sexuality, you have to think, okay, well, can I appreciate my body? Can I be naked? Do I sleep naked? Can I walk around my house if there's privacy naked? You know, do I do I have a self-pleasure practice? Uh, do I buy toys for myself? Do I have uh, lingerie for myself, for example? And can I... I guess, engage in, in things like maybe you don't have to, but erotic literature or um, ethical porn or audio porn. Um, there's so many things that you can do. Uh, self-pleasure is, of course, one of them. You can have one-night stance. You can have sex, you know, friends with benefits, buddies, whatever you want to do. There's, there's really like no bad formula. The only thing that would be problematic if it's it it wasn't wanted or, you know, if it wasn't consensual. So if it's fun, pleasurable and consensual, then go for it. And I guess build a ritual around those things as well, right? Like mm. try and bring it into your, to your day-to-day or sometime during the week, keep it kind of consistent, I would imagine is important. Um, if you want to, it's individualized really. So um, this, I, I really try and steer away. The question that I get asked the most is how often should I be doing this? How often should I be having sex? How often should I be masturbating? It's not up to me. <laughs> it's up to you and your individual circumstances because there is no normal when it comes to sexuality. It's like when we measure things like desire 
or orgasm. It's very hard to, to have scientific research on these topics because they are so individualized. You know, my uh, level of desire, I might feel like is high or low, but in comparison to someone else, I might be in the middle or I might be very low even when I'm high. So there is no normal when it comes to sex. Uh, and I think as long as you're having a really good time and everyone around you is having a good time, then, you know, enjoy yourself and yeah, try, try, I mean, try and explore your body a little bit more. I always like people to hold up a mirror to their genital area and try and like name, name different parts of their anatomy, um, get to know their, their kind of their vulva or their penis and just see what it's like. Cause often we don't actually look at that area and, and have a, a familiarity with it so that's something that I, I really recommend people to do and if you want you can draw it or take a photo of it that kind of thing and I'm also just a big fan of people taking sexy photos of themselves I mean you with the saunas I'm sure many many people love to take photos of themselves in the sauna because of the red light in there so <laughs> it's good for the curves that's <laughs> <laughs> true it's true. I think sauna is also a good place to like, I mean, obviously if you're not in there like 65 degrees, but it's also a nice mm. place to explore your body a bit more, you know, because mm. you can be quite intimate with yourself in there and feel quite safe and, and protected. Mm. It's cool. Yeah. Place. I think if you're nude in the sauna, that's like a very, very intimate space for sure. Mm. Mm. And what are some things I like that we can, or things that you talk about, I guess, in terms of intimacy with self and, and intimacy with others, you know, being able to to kind of connect on that on that deeper level. Um, mm-hmm. I find that's a good place to kind of start some sort of, you know, sexual practice, but that can be kind of any time throughout the day. But I think that intimacy is quite important. But if we've perhaps lost that sense of intimacy, how can we kind of grow that a little bit, develop it a bit more? Let's start with the conversation. Um, and I think don't expect your partner to do all the work. I think like you can say, hey, like I really want to work on this, but you have to lead by example. I think there's often this narrative that like the the, if the masculine partner has to kind of be horny all the time and, and do all the work and the femme partner has to always wear lingerie. But I don't think it's like that. I think, you know, there will be periods of time where – uh, sex drive is high, where sex drive is low. You might also be asexual, so you might not even have a drive. I'm not saying that everyone has to be having sex. I'm saying that, like, you have to do what's right for you. However, people only come to see me if they're distressed about their sex life, right? So if you're happy with it, then be happy with it. If you want to add some variety, add some variety, get different lubes, different outfits, different toys, um, and enjoy yourself. If you're in a long distance relationship, you can get Bluetooth controlled toys. Um, so your partner can use it, uh, on you overseas, that kind of thing. That's always a lot of fun. Um, get a sex playlist together, you know, put all your sexy songs into a playlist and, and put that on when you want to get down and dirty, plan a special night and say, Hey, Thursday, night or th- Sunday morning, it doesn't have to be nighttime. Nighttime's often like the hardest time to have sex because you're usually pretty tired. Sunday morning, we're going to have some fun and we're going to have uh, 
you know, breakfast in bed and we're going to get down and dirty. Or, hey, uh, I've got a lunch break today at one. I'd love to come home and visit you. You have to be ready for me because I've only got half an hour or so before I have to run back. So really getting creative with like the locations, with the suggestions. The reason why people lose their desire often is just because they're bored in the bedroom. They've been doing the same sexual routine for years and it would be like if you and I went out for dinner and we got a pasta and wine one night and we loved it and we're like okay let's go back again mm-hmm. went back got the same thing cool oh let's go again next week so uh, you get to a point where you're like I don't want to have that bloody pasta and wine. I'm sick of it <laughs> I want to have like a cocktail and I want to have a pizza or something like that <laughs> yeah uh, so you have to add some different spices and, and different options to the menu and also remember that it doesn't always have to be entree, main and dessert. It can be just your head scratchy and the entree, it can be the whole three course meal at that point. Mm, mm. Yeah. And it can build up over time too. You know, like it's, it doesn't have to just be like this, this time right now, we've got an hour, you know, like, I mean, that foreplay can start the day before. <laughs> yeah. It's every nice thing that you and your partner do for each other, right? It doesn't have to be overtly erotic. It can just be every look, glance, graze of their hands, you know, snuggle, that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, what I love about what you're saying is like, it's just a great reminder to just be present with all, like all of those little things make a difference. You know, like it can just be the scrape of a hand, but if we're aware of how that can play in to that positive sexual energy over time, I think that's a really important piece. Like, I've certainly lost that sometimes. You kind of forget that. Um, but having that presence around the subtleness of all that, even just like uh, an emoji in a text message, and I'm not talking about the eggplant emoji, but, you know, like anything like that can be can be quite subtle and, and kind of part of building that, that tension and that energy between the two of you. So then when you do come together, it's, it's quite a nice experience. Mm, yeah, a lot of people just, um, they send their partners like my Instagram posts and then that starts a conversation for them. <laughs> so if you have like a, a a reference point of something that can bring up that conversation, then, then use that, go for it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so um, you recently released a book. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. The book, I mean, it's called The Sex Ed You Never Had. Uh, and <laughs> it is basically the sex ed that you never had in school. So <laughs> it's a, yeah, I kept it true to the topic, but kind of like what we were speaking about before, we never got sex education really. I really wanted to create a reference point and it's really just covering like the basic foundations of sexuality, like anatomy, menstrual cycles, you know, sexual concerns, how to have fun, pleasure, consent, etc. All of these things that I really wish I had known when I was younger. And I'm sure many, many people would have. That's the feedback that I've gotten. Mm. And it's a bestseller now. So I guess many people did want it. <laughs> I, think <laughs> it's a, I think that it really was important for me to have something to give to my patients if they didn't know a lot about sexuality for them to go, oh, okay, I'm going to look it up in the book and I'll have a little bit more knowledge. Mm. It's fun. It's a really fun book and I'm very, very proud of it. And I'm glad that it is helping a lot of people that, you know, weren't able to 
to have these conversations maybe with someone close to them or they were looking through Dr. Google to figure out what's going on with them. I hope that it continues to help people. And, uh, yeah, it was an interesting journey writing a book. So, How long um, did it take you to write? Six weeks. Oh, nice. Nice and quick. I have ADD. <laughs> <laughs> Again, right. so, uh, you didn't do anything else in that time. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like waking up at 4 a.m., six to eight weeks. But then, you know, after that, you spend like a year um, editing it, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I guess like when I first got my contract, I really wasn't ready to to write a book at that point. I, I really need to think about how do I do this? How do I structure this? And when I decide to do something, I just go full gung-ho on it. And, yeah, it worked out, thank God. Um, but, yeah, it was very exhausting. I just completely crashed and burned afterwards. So I wouldn't recommend anyone doing it that way. Right. Um, take your time instead. Pace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like um, the sex ed that we all want. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Chantel, if people want to find out more about you, um, or get in touch with you, where can they do that? My website is just www.chantelotten.com. Um, my Instagram, it's shadow banned at the moment, but I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes so people can find it very easily. It's just Chantel underscore Otten underscore sexologist. Uh, and yeah, you can basically find most of the information uh, about me on there. And, mm. you know, uh, if you need anything, if you have a question or you feel like maybe seeing a sexologist can help you, then you just can reach out to my um my team. I read every single intake email that goes through the through the clinic so that I can allocate the, the the patient to the right practitioner for them. And so I'm very involved in that. And I will see uh we'll see your concerns coming through and hopefully we can help you. Awesome. Amazing. Um and if there was just one more thing that you want to share with everyone listening right now, some people are going to be listening in their saunas. Some people yeah. whilst they're driving to work. If there's one more mm-hmm. thing you could share, what would it be? Just have fun. <laughs> As you said at the start, just have fun with yourself. I don't think we need to take this topic too seriously. I think we need to do the opposite. We need to let loose, be silly, laugh, enjoy. It's a messy, There's, it's messy, you know, pleasure, sex, it's messy. Uh, it's, you know, there's lots of different fluids and there's sweat and uh, I don't know. I think like we just need to give ourselves a little bit of a break and and enjoy the process rather than thinking of all the things that that we can focus on that are maybe not allowing us to be present in the moment. Mm. Beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Chantel. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.